Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. We think there'll be a lot of litigation because we can't have an election stolen. President Donald Trump launching an assault on the integrity of the election. There's no one at Fox News that is saying this is crazy, this is irresponsible, this is dangerous. Hello, I'm Richard Gisbert and you're watching The Listening Post, working from home. Here are some of the media stories we're covering this week. Breaking up is hard to do. Donald Trump and Fox News go way back and the network still has feelings for the man. And Ethiopia erupts, the ethnic unrest that has the makings of a civil war, the television encounter that may have cost the interviewee his life, and the prime minister whose reputation has suffered along with the country. When the U.S. networks finally decided, four days after the polls closed, to call the presidential election for Joe Biden, they did so almost in unison. Anchors, reporters, and commentators, voices that President Trump labeled the enemy of the people, could not hold back their glee, in some cases their tears. The continuing refusal of Donald Trump and senior Republicans to concede the election, their evidence-free attempts to cast doubt on the electoral process, pose a problem for news networks, not least for Fox News, which despite calling the election for Biden, cannot quite seem to let Trump go. There is clearly an internal editorial debate underway at the Murdoch-owned network, and it's playing out on the air for all to see. And Fox isn't the only news channel due for a reckoning. Other media outlets have issues they need to confront, but we've yet to see signs of that happening. Our starting point this week, Fox News headquarters in New York City. If schadenfreude is your thing, there's never been a better time to watch Fox News. We want every legal vote to be counted, and we want every illegal vote to whoa, be... Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I just think we have to be very clear. She's charging. Uh, the other side is welcoming fraud and welcoming illegal voting. Unless she has more details to back that up, I can't in good countenance continue showing you this. After years of defending the indefensible... So now that Donald Trump has made America great again... Time after time... That and so much more, all lies. Scandal after scandal. Some voices at Fox are clearly edging away from Donald Trump, his administration, and his allegations, the baseless ones, of an election somehow stolen. And we've said it numerous times. We have not seen evidence, clear evidence, of massive widespread fraud enough to change the votes uh, in these states. Others at the channel are holding the line. Democrats and the media mob, they just want to try and block any and all audit of what are now growing examples of ballot irregularities and outright illegality. It can make for confusing viewing, as though America's most watched 24-hour news channel has some kind of multiple on-air personality disorder. What kind of editorial direction is Fox News going to take? When will the line come down from the top, Rupert Murdoch, that says it's over? The conversation about an election being stolen needs to stop. So right now we are going to watch and see what those decisions look like. The Trump campaign has submitted explosive evidence of voter fraud. They have to make a choice now. Do they want to live in a world of complete fantasy or do they want to still be somewhere on the spectrum of CNN and other large legacy outlets where they agree on a shared set of facts? 
So there seems to be there's a difference among different personalities, different shows on Fox. You can see someone like Tucker Carlson being very in the can for Trump. You can't simply tell people to accept an outcome because force doesn't work in a democracy. That's dictatorship. Whereas some are reading the writing on the wall that the election has been decided one way or another. It clearly shows an institutional crisis, not, not a crisis, but, uh, but something going on within Fox about whether or not they really want to tie uh, a lifeline to Donald Trump anymore. But also turn on CNN or MSNBC and see how much criticism you'll see of a Democratic candidate on any of those uh, networks. You just won't. Joe Biden's character is such that it may well be that man and moment were made for each other. It became a matter of character and values. And you look at Joe Biden, and that is who he is. He's a man of empathy. The relief at those networks is palpable. How are you feeling? Uh, it's, I, I almost can't talk right now because of the emotion. Uh, how are you doing over there? Not much time, though, is devoted to Joe Biden's record over almost a half century in federal politics. He spent decades on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and as chairman in 2002, Biden didn't just vote for the Iraq War, he helped pave the way for the lies that sold it to the American people by controlling which voices his committee would allow to testify. The long-suffering Iraqi people need to know the regime change will benefit them. Biden has voted to cut Social Security six times and consistently backed crime bills disproportionately affecting black Americans. As vice president, he was a key player in an Obama administration that deported more undocumented immigrants than the Trump administration did and built those cages now holding those children along the border, the ones who can't find their parents. It's easier to tell your kids character matters. Has Joe Biden reformed? It's a pertinent question. But the talking heads at CNN and MSNBC just don't seem to think that now's the time. Joe Biden's selling point as a politician, as an elected official, can't be that he's not Trump. Uh, what we need to be doing is holding him accountable. And that means holding him accountable to the record that he built up over his eight years as vice president, you know, on things like immigration. That means holding him accountable to the record that he built up over his decades in the Senate on things like criminal justice. So it's past time, really, for us to start reckoning with Joe Biden's record now that the more immediate danger of Trump seems to be out of the way. It is, frankly, a, a lack of kind of sophistication. It is, in many ways, lazy to just be like, oh my God, Joe Biden, you know, is going to save everything. Barack Obama was an extraordinary president. He was also the deporter in chief. And Joe Biden stood by and let that happen. The notion that one man, one older white man, can be the savior of everything that is happening in the United States is problematic. And so I'm watching very closely at how the journalists are responding to that particular narrative that the Democratic Party right now is pushing. If there was a clear majority in this election, it was in the number of established news outlets on the air and in print united in their conclusion that Donald Trump was unfit for office. Still, more than 70 million Americans took that consensus 
and rejected it. One half of the country is choosing to see and hear one message, the other another. Well, InfoWars was born for this. And even as Fox News slowly distances itself from Trump, other online elements in the right-wing media bubble are still hard at it. So don't worry, President Trump, the cavalry's coming. Conspiracy theorists like Alex Jones of InfoWars calling on Trump's true believers to descend on Washington this weekend to stop what he calls the final assault, the takeover. We're all living in different information bubbles, and a lot of people believe things because they want to believe them rather than based on how much evidence there are for them. So a lot of people want to believe the election was fake. They'll find more than enough sources to tell them that that's the case. A lot of people simply reject what they hear from the quote-unquote mainstream media by virtue of the fact that it's coming from the mainstream media. It's incredibly effective. The right has an incredibly effective disinformation, misinformation apparatus through Fox News, through their various websites, uh, aided by Facebook, uh, who seems more than willing to spread uh, disinformation on, on their behalf. Whatever screen you're in front of, there is some kind of information available to you that is going to, to delegitimize this election, whether you're sitting in front of the TV, you're in front of your, your computer, or you're on your phone. And I think that's incredibly dangerous. Back to the ongoing sideshow that is Fox News, the question of its future. Fox has reason to fear the president's base. What with all the talk now of Trump starting his own news channel? After Fox called the election for Biden and then had a temporary ratings drop, Trump tweeted the network had killed the golden goose, referring to himself. So Fox walks that fine line between journalism and self-interest. But first, tonight many Americans do not believe that this election was fair. Every American has a right to feel that way. I feel that way. Placating its audience in one time slot. The greatest uh, danger to our republic and the future of our country are these unfounded uh, claims of voter fraud. And giving it the bad news in another. That balancing act is Fox's way of keeping Trump voters sweet, a slice of America that still seems to mystify other corporate news outlets. The biggest failure of introspection, introspection we have in the, in the news media right now is that most people who work in the corporate press are upper class. They tend to have gone to very good schools. They're almost exclusively urban people. Um, and they just do not live in all those red areas that voted for Donald Trump. If you don't know who the people are who are voting for Donald Trump, then they become this like mysterious, distant, uh, almost like an alien race. And that's the biggest thing that I worry about is that they're just gonna write off this whole section of America. Even with these institutions continuing to exist and drawing large audiences, if a significant chunk of people do not believe in the narrative or do not believe in the information they're reporting, that can be more than enough to undermine, you know, our ability to have a democracy Essentially, without these institutions, we're going to be living in total chaos. It's been just over a week since the Prime Minister of Ethiopia, Abiy Ahmed, ordered troops into the northern region of Tigray. Now there's talk of a civil war, with accompanying accusations that the media are fomenting the unrest. Johanna Hoos has been following the story. Joe, what kind of reporting have you been seeing on the ground there? 
Well, there's actually not that much to go on, Richard, and that is because uh, the Abiy government in the capital, Addis Ababa, has completely cut off uh, any form of communication in Tigray, including phone lines and the internet, and it is barring journalists from entering, so it is really difficult to verify any sort of information. What we do know, however, is that hundreds are dead, the result of uh, escalating tensions between the federal government and the Tigray's People's Liberation Front, or TPLF. Now, the TPLF leadership belongs to a minority ethnic group, the Tigray, who used to dominate Ethiopia's military and government. However, since the current prime minister, Abiy, who belongs to a different ethnic group, the Oromo, took office in 2018 and introduced sweeping political reforms, the Tigray are saying that they are being marginalized. Now, that region has since held its own elections, which the federal government deems illegal, and Abiy has now vowed to get rid of the Tigray leadership. Misinformation is rife. Uh, just to give you a couple of examples, Abi supporters have been spreading fake images of TPLF fighters using heavy anti-aircraft weaponry, whilst videos purportedly showing the fighting in Tigray are actually from the conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan. Okay, so that's online, but what about the accusations coming from the government in Addis that mainstream media outlets are somehow fueling some of this fighting? Well, yes, uh, at least two journalists have ended up behind bars as a result. On November 4th, uh, Bekalu Alamrao of the privately owned Aulo Media Center was arrested for allegedly disseminating false information, smearing the Ethiopian government and inciting civil war. Meanwhile, Medihana Ekuba Mikael, an editor at news magazine The Ada Standard, was also taken into custody for, and I quote, attempts to dismantle the constitution through violence. Now, when Abiy came to power two years ago, he was widely celebrated for opening up what used to be a heavily censored media landscape. However, now media organizations accuse the authorities there of actually rolling back some of those freedoms and by going after media organizations whose coverage it doesn't like is actually taking us back to the old authoritarian ways in Ethiopia. Okay, thanks, Joe. Sticking with Ethiopia. Back in 2018, the country was making news with its new prime minister, Abiy Ahmed. The international media were giving him grade-A reviews, his reforms seemed real and were fast in coming. Political prisoners released, media bans lifted, a peace agreement with bordering Eritrea. In 2019, less than two years into the job, Abiy won the Nobel Peace Prize. How times have changed. The current conflict in Tigray is unfolding as the Ethiopian justice system conducts a murder investigation, a killing that appears to have also had an ethnic component to it. The victim was a popular musician, an Oromo named Hachalu Hundessa. One week before he was murdered, Hachalu took part in a television interview. Always outspoken, he said some things. Flo Phillips now on the last interview Hachalu Hundessa gave and why investigators are pouring over the tape looking for clues in their search for who killed him. I am Guyo Wario. I'm the journalist who interviewed Hachalo Hundesa for the last time. On June 22nd, two big personalities from Ethiopia's Oromo community sat down for an interview. I think Hachalu Hundesa's interview with Oromia Media Network showed his true feelings to the nation. 
ዲጂራሚ አብይ ያመር ጀልቀብ ሆን ወጋላም ኸይ ተጣግደመዲ ሐራሲርር ጅራ ወረድ ኢንጀር አብይ አህመድ ከራሲርር ኢንጀሩ ደጎንጎር ጉዶጃቹ ጅር ወረድ ኢንጀር ተኔን ኩን ኦፈ አንክር አማስርር ኢንጀሩ as the presenter of Oromia Media Network's flagship interview program Guyo Wario is known for asking tough questions of important figures but his interview with Hachala Hundessa set new records for the channel tens of thousands tuned into the live stream alone the following week hachalu was murdered so who was he and why was he killed hachalu was an artist beyond his artistic or musical career he was also an activist uh, an icon of the oromo struggle so his works actually convey uh the political narrative of the oromo people he was vocal against the old system of ethiopia he inspired a lot of young people to join the oromo protest Hachalu's songs provided the soundtrack to the ethnically driven protests that swept Ethiopia in 2015. Three years later, Abiy Ahmed became the first Oromo to be appointed prime minister. Abiy was making major changes, and quickly, ending a border war with Eritrea that had dragged on for 20 years. To mark that moment, The prime minister invited Hachalu to perform at a concert held in honor of the Eritrean president, a public platform that the singer used to highlight the Oromo struggle. Fast forward to June 2020 and an appearance on another public platform, Hachalu's interview with Oromia Media Network. It was one of the most anticipated interviews. He left nobody untouched. He was vocally critical of the government. He was vocally critical of the prime minister's priorities. He was vocally critical of the Oromo political elites. He was vocally critical of the civil war which involves uh, the Oromo Liberation Army and the government. The other controversy in regards to his interview was uh, the one where he mentioned about past emperors and especially specifically Emperor Minilik where he said that he's not a great leader. It is a common narrative amongst the Oromo scholars who claim that the Oromo people were subjugated to uh, much uh, grief and uh, lots of abuses during the, the Minilik era. So he touched upon almost every aspect of, of things that you could critically look. But there was nothing controversial about that interview if Hajalu was not assassinated. Just one day after Hachalu's interview went out, calls for his death spread on social media. A week later, he was gunned down in Addis Ababa. In the unrest that followed, hundreds were killed and more than 9,000 people, including journalists, politicians and activists, were arrested. 
security measures Ethiopians might have mistaken for things of the past. When Abiy Ahmed took office in 2018, the headlines coming out of the country signaled a significant departure. Repressive laws overturned, journalists and activists released from jail, political reunification in the region, landing Abiy a Nobel Peace Prize. Those days are gone, and the reaction to Hachalu's death and the hunt to find his killer are directly tied to the volatile political situation in the country, a constant tension between its largest ethnic groups, Oromos, Amharas, and Tigrayans. After Hachalu's murder, politicians, activists, and the network itself all went back to that interview on OMN to look for clues as to who may have killed him. Following his assassination, government officials accused OMN being behind the assassination of the artist. They said, actually, OMN omitted certain section of that interview to hide that Hachalu was receiving threats. It's kind of government orchestrated kind of, uh, you know, uh, media uh, propaganda. There is always two sides to a story. Uh, there is the government's narrative and uh, there is OMN's narrative. Everybody's saying that I was right, the other party was wrong. It is up to an independent investigation to determine whether the OMN people are right or whether the government is right. Before an independent investigation could make that call, OMN was shut down. The main reason, according to the authorities, OMN's live broadcast of Hachalu's funeral. They also confiscated the Hachalu interview, sticking to their line that OMN had deliberately omitted a section which may have further incriminated the two suspects the government already had in custody. The administration also chose to air its own versions of the interview, in which it was a more selective editor than OMN was. They aired it on two channels, and both versions included the angle the government wanted to get across. Then the authorities arrested the interviewer, Guyo Wario. My last work for OMN is two days before Achalu's killing. I never returned back to Romia Media Network Station. I never worked for OMN after the death of this man. I was mourning the death of my friend. Still, they arrested me, saying I'm inciting violence. When and how? I don't have information about Oromia Media Network because I'm not the right person to talk about these issues. So who is the right person? We're trying to find somebody, anybody, who will give us an answer. We started with the Prime Minister's press secretary. She passed us on to the Attorney General's office. The Attorney General ignored us. His deputy hung up the phone. And when we finally managed to reach the spokesperson for the department, he said it was actually a matter for the Ethiopian Broadcasting Authority. The head of that organisation promised us a response via email. We're still waiting. And we are not alone. Ethiopians are waiting too. For the promise of 2018, the early days of the Abiy Ahmed era, to be fulfilled. For a legal case in which the OMN interview could prove to be Exhibit A, and for justice, after the murder of Hachala Hundessa, to be served. We have no more Oromia Media Network. After his assassination, we have no more vocal 
political actors after his assassination. They are now behind bars. The political landscape has completely changed. We have returned back to that kind of authoritarian grip that we fought so hard. We don't know how we can mend some of this rupture we are experiencing politically, socially, religiously, individually. I come to help my people, I come to serve my people, but I ended up into prison. So many promise for me, nothing I'll delivered. We lost very, very bright soul like Ajalu Nesa. And finally, we do realize that yes, this is the third week in a row that we're ending the program with a satirical video on Donald Trump. Usually, diversity matters to us. We talk about representation all the time. And who needs more rich old white guys on television? But while American voters have in record numbers shown that they're prepared to move on from Trump, we in the media just aren't ready. Do you really think that vloggers like Christian Von Vuren will ever have raw material like this to work with again from Joe Biden? Von Vuren's from Australia. His video is called Bye Bye Donnie. We'll see you next time here at the listening post. You told your own voters not to vote by mail in a global pandemic and that was your fail. So shut up, Donnie, and practice what you preach. Have some dignity and give your concession speech. Just tell everyone it's a conspiracy. Blame your fall on American democracy. Get out there and go tell more lies. Do what you do best and propagandize. And you find more COVID when you do more tests and you find more results when more votes get read. You've had six bankruptcies and two divorces, 200 days of tax paid golf and golf courses. You survived the guilt of putting kids in cages ages and 26 sexual misconduct accusations you've only got like 4,000 active lawsuits so man up Donnie and hang up the boots and you finally succeeded in building your wall around the White House and it's 10 feet tall for someone who hates lockdown as much as you do you were quick to lock yourself down in there dude fake friends who used you to climb the ladder and fake everything else that no longer matters you tried to fool the world with no regret and you're in 900 million dollars debt on the down low, if you know what I mean. Like your old mate, Jeffrey Epstein. Nah, you'll be fine. You've told 20,000 lies and 230,000 people have died. Just like daddy's money gave you your start. Daddy Bannon will give you a job at Bright Park. Cause we'll see you, buddy. You gave it a crack. And now even Fox News hasn't got your back. So sorry to say it, but you're fired.